Welcome to PT Snacks Podcast. This is Casey, your host. And if you're tuning in for the very first time, welcome. But what you also need to know is that this podcast is meant for physical therapists and physical therapist students who are looking to grow your fundamentals in bite-sized segments of time. Today, we're going to be covering avascular necrosis of the hip, which is something that, unfortunately, we can see in our clinic and not always actually see. So before we do so, we're going to be covering the blood supply of the hip, um, just good old anatomy and physiology, and then some risk factors, things that are associated with it so that you can have that on the forefront of your mind if you are treating a hip patient and having a difficult time with your differentials. That being said, let's get started with our blood supply. So I would highly recommend if you are not driving, just pulling up a picture of this so that you can follow along. But if not, that's okay. So essentially, there's several aspects of what make up the blood supply to the hip. We have our extracapsular arterial ring, ascending cervical branches, and then the artery of the ligamentum teres. So most of it, we're, we're going to be talking about our extracapsular arterial ring. So, so this is formed posteriorly by the large branch of the medial femoral circumflex artery. Remember that one. And then anteriorly by the lateral circumflex femoral artery. So this is a branch off of the femoral artery or the pro- profundal femoris artery is another name for it. But just picture femoral artery and then off of it medial and lateral are going to form a ring around the femur. Now, this supplies most of the head and neck of the femur. It surrounds the neck of the femur, and then it ascends along it and forms rings around the upper neck and the subcapital sulcus. The medial circumflex artery branches into lateral, superior, and inferior epiphyseal arteries. The lateral epiphyseal artery supplies more than half of the femoral head. So medial circumflex artery, kind of a big deal. Your ascending cervical branches are formed by the lateral circumflex artery, and then they travel into the joint capsule and run along the neck of the femur deep to the synovial lining of the neck. So this is a big deal because it can be at risk if there's disruption to the capsule, such as things like a femoral neck fracture. Now, the artery of ligamentum teres very little, if any, contribution to the femoral head. So that's our blood supply. So if we're talking about avascular necrosis, essentially it is death to the femoral head as a result of vascular disruption, as in the bone's not getting any blood source, the bone is dying. And the causes can be multifactorial. It can be from direct trauma. It can be from insidious onset. Now, Direct traumas is a little bit easier to link to. Okay, that makes sense. There was damage to the medial femoral circumflex artery, which is the main blood supply to the femoral head. If you don't have blood supply, we know how important blood is in terms of maintaining tissue. So you take that away. Tissue starts to die. Tissue starts to decrease in integrity and can even collapse on itself, depending on the severity of the um, cell death, essentially. But there are also risk factors that can predispose someone to this disease process. So there is a long list of those. I'm going to name them all off, and then I'm going to name off a mnemonic that I found that may be more helpful to remember. So overall, risk factors can include irradiation, trauma, hematologic disease, dysparic, 
marrow replacing diseases, sickle cell disease, alcoholism, hypercoagulable states, steroids, systemic lupus, erythematosus or SLE, a transplant patient, something that's viral like hepatitis, HIV, rubella, etc., protease inhibitors, pancreatitis, vascular insult, subacute bacterial endocarditis, polyarteritis nodosa, uh, rheumatoid arthritis, giant cell arteritis, sarcoidosis, it, it can be idiopathic. Right now, I kind of feel like I'm the guy at the end of like a, a new drug commercial talking about risk factors. But if you, if you made it through that, remember this mnemonic, it's called aseptic. So it stands for the most common causes that we have attributed to avascular necrosis. So aseptic. A stands for alcohol and AIDS. S stands for steroids, sickle cell disease, and SLE. E, Erlenmeyer flask or Goucher disease. P, pancreatitis. T, trauma. I, idiopathic or infection. And C, Kaysen's disease. Now, in terms of demographics, we see this more in males than females. Um, There's a high prevalence of this being a bilateral disease. And then we usually see this in ages 35 to 50-year-olds. So younger than someone you would expect osteoarthritis. Depending on how far progressed this this is, they're probably going to have pain around the hip. So it can be in the groin, anterior medial, around the thigh, posterior hip. And they're probably going to have pain with both active and passive range of motion that could be restricted in range of motion as well. And weight-bearing, not going to feel good because, again, the integrity of the load-bearing joint is compromised, which means when we load-bear on it, it's not doing as great of a job, right? So that kind of makes sense. But in terms of now what do we do, it depends on, again, how bad it is. So... Non-operative intervention, sometimes people will do physical therapy to just try and delay this process and build up strength around it. Um, There's been some medications that have been utilized. Bisphosphonates are utilized. Um, Not really clear on how effective that treatment actually is, but think of this for more of your patients who have small lesions with less than 10% involvement of the femoral head and no collapse. Now, if it's worse than that, that's probably going to go the operative route. So some examples of surgeries that these patients might get are a core decompression of the femoral head, which is thought mainly to relieve the increase in pressure in the femoral head and allow a return in blood flow and healing. If not this, they might do a vascularized free fibula grafting. So they remove the necrotic area, the area that's dead, and then they use a free fibular graft to act basically as a strut to prevent further collapse. They might do total hip resurfacing, which can be pretty tricky to do, or they might just go straight for the total hip arthroplasty, which typically has the most reliable pain relief. So if you are rounding with a a hip specialist, could be some good talking points to discuss with them what their thoughts are on this. But that's it. What you should have gathered is, hey, the blood supply to the hip, things to look out for that are associated with AVN, and then also what we typically do with these patients. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out at ptsnackspodcast at gmail.com or you can also find me on Instagram at pt underscore snacks. 
Um, I love hearing you from you guys, but if you don't want to min- miss any episodes, make sure that you subscribe or follow the show. Um, share it with your friends, write a, a review if it's something that has been a big impact on you in a positive way. And then if you need CEUs, look below in the show notes for this link, but MedBridge is offering listeners of this show 40% off for their annual subscription to basically access to thousands of CEUs, live webinars, and even a patient education component to where you can search for all kinds of exercises, type in your reps that you want them to do, days of the week, et cetera, and then either print them off or email or text it to your patients that they can follow along on an app, watch videos, et cetera. It's amazing. I use it every day. I use it all the time for my patients. So Check it out. Use the promo code PT Snacks Podcast if that's something that you need in your life. And if not, that's totally fine. But uh, thanks for listening, guys. And until next time.